I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told. So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. You're listening to The Leaf Report with Canadian Press National Hockey writer Jonas Siegel and The Athletic TO's James Myrtle. James, can you hear me? This is a new mic. Yeah, we actually have one where we can both talk at the same time. <laughs> well, hopefully we can. Hopefully you can hear this. Tell James if you can't hear anything yeah, perfectly on this. Because Jonas doesn't read what people say to him on Twitter. I don't really generally go on Twitter all that much. But So we're, we're trying a different way to record the podcast today with a professional mic brought to you by uh, our producer, Andrew Nolan, who, as always, takes care of the show. Uh, we are presented by... Babsocks, babsocks.ca. Yeah, there was a momentous occasion in the history. How long have we been doing this podcast? Two and a half years? Great question. Probably. At least two years. I think it's been longer than that. Two and a half. We used to do it We used to do it in the studio. Yeah. On, so we've been doing it like way longer. Three years? Probably, yeah. Anyway, so it was a momentous occasion yesterday. I went to the bank and I put a check into my bank account and it was for the podcast. And it, it's not like we got rich or made a lot of money, but it was like it was a little bit of money. And so we thank people for listening because, you know, our listenership is, I think we're getting over 10,000 people for every episode and we're getting a lot of complaints when we don't do one. We haven't done a podcast since February 22nd, which is more than two weeks. So this better be a good one. (laughs) Now you're putting so much pressure on us. Well, you were in California for trade deadline. How are you finding traveling more now that you're with The Athletic? You're doing a lot. Well, that's the first trip I've done with the Leafs in like over two years. I haven't been on any road 
road Leafs games in a long time. You know what was you know what I found really weird is I kind of had deja vu on that trip because they were in a losing skid. They lost all three games, and even after that LA game, they lost in a shootout, and the players were kind of like they seemed kind of panicked. And it really reminded me of when I used to go on the road before with like the Kessel Leafs and the Carlisle Leafs, and the same kind of thing was happening, and the players didn't seem to have answers. I, that's why I think the last what are we down to? Sixteen games left. Mm-hmm. They're gonna. This team's gonna kind of answer the question: Is it a different team, or is there still some of what was there before? But how much can you actually even if let's say they did collapse? How much can you even correlate between those teams and this team? Like they're People not going to do it though. I know, but they, like we like, need to be more rational about it. There's like five players. Seven. There's seven guys that were part of the really big collapse two years ago. Okay, so Kadri, Van Riemsdyk, Bozak, Riley, Gardner, Polak, Komarov. Okay. Yeah. So it's like it's like the older players, other than Riley, it's like older guys. And what I was writing in California is that the only one of those players that's played really well through this slide, I think, is Kadri, who has been... Uh, although I, I think you can argue Polak's probably played the best of his time with the Leafs. He has made a lot fewer mistakes lately. Mm-hmm. You look at some of the possession and expected goals and stuff for Hunwick Polak, right now it's been... It's been okay. It's, it's so it's been there. I don't know if they've changed something or maybe they're just getting sheltered more or I don't know what. I it thought is. the Kadri line was really good against Philly. They've been so like they had twelve shots. I've liked Kadri's game. That Winnipeg game, I thought he was fantastic. You know, he's he's had a really good season. I mean, it's back to the point where, and I know we're going to talk about some of this stuff, but Matthews has been kind of quiet. So and Anderson's had his ups and downs. I mean, it's getting back to like if Kadri plays like this the rest of the way, maybe he's the MVP of the season. Yeah, well, I mean, let's say he finishes with 35 goals, which he could. I think he's at 28 now, and we're recording this on Friday, so he could score again against Carolina. So let's say he finishes with 30 to 35 goals, around 60 points. If you're getting that out of your second-line center, that's really good. And then, like I mentioned to you during the game against the Flyers, they're going to have like three centers potentially with 50 points, which I don't know how often that happens, but I feel like that's Yeah, we tried to look it bad. up and we failed. If, if someone out there wants to come up with how, many, how often a team has three centers with 50 points, then we're interested in that question. It's just the problem is the NHL players who are not centers are listed as yeah, centers. Yeah, Kessel's like, always been listed as a center. Right, like, like Zach Hyman is listed like, as a center. Is he? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so anyway, but so the, I guess the, the overarching question is, do you think they're out of their funk? Or is it? I think it's too early to say. Yeah, I mean it's too. I guess the, like it's an interesting debate. I went to California not thinking that the team was like that, and then just being. You know what it's like when you're on the road. You're right. around them a lot. You're around them a lot more than when it's at home, where it's like you're standing in the hallway all the time, and they're going around. And one of the veteran guys uh, was complaining about his sandwich and was getting angry. And like there was like there was like stuff happening. Like I was seeing they were more tense. Yeah. Then I probably would have known if I wasn't on the road. Is well, well literally none of them, aside from that group of seven, I shouldn't say literally none of them, but most of them have not gone through anything like this. Like Austin Matthews literally has not gone through anything like this. He's never played on this kind of a team, right? Yeah. Like, I don't know what the schedule would have been like in Zurich, but before that national team, like there's nothing like this, I guess... Well, I mean, he played World Juniors. He played, but no, World but that's different. That's yeah. different. This is like an eighty-game schedule yeah. where it's like you don't have any time to let your body heal. He's getting like first pairing NHL defenseman did every you, night. Did you see? I did that piece when they got Boyle and Eric Fair about yeah the number of playoff games the roster had played. It uh-huh. was it was like 
Number one was before they got those two guys, I think it was Polak with like 48 or something. And yeah. he got a lot of those with San Jose last year. Like most of the roster, even the older guys, have never played hardly at all in the playoffs, let yeah. alone like a drive like this to try and make the playoffs. Well, who's been... Okay, so Polak's been past the first round. Van Riemsdyk's been past the first round. Right. Anderson's been past... No. Yeah, I yeah, guess he has. would have been, but he wasn't always the starter. And so, like, Boyle's been past the first round, but, like... Boyle and Fair, I mean, like, they they added something like 80% or 70%. But the point is, like, nobody has played playoff games. But, like, I guess the going back to, like, whether you can connect this with the other teams, I, I don't know if... I well, know seven people, guys is a lot of guys. You, can you connect a third of the roster? But the, the team like, is it, com- it seemed like some yeah. of those guys were the ones that were cracking up a little bit in California. Yeah, but the main pieces of the teams, I guess Bozak, so, Van Riemsdyk, Kadri, yeah, I don't you're, know. You're talking about, like, Matt, like, say you're one of the young guys. You've never played in the NHL. This is your first season. And then you see, like, six of the veteran guys that have been there before are kind of, like, getting a bit unsteady. And, like, like does that sh- – like, that's that yeah. was what I was – I'm not saying it – I'm just wondering if that's what was happening. Like, if you're a Connor Brown and you're sitting in the dressing room and – JVR is freaking out in the corner or whatever. Not that I guess I, I'm just saying, like, I don't know how we can tangibly say that they're I connected. I, I, that's, I, that's why I think, like, the next 16 games, like, if if they play really well, even if they fall a little bit short, then maybe that narrative goes away. And, like, I think that would be yeah. that would be nice to not... I mean, I like, my wife was saying, oh, why don't you write about how the Leafs collapse all the time? And I was like, no one wants to read about that. <laughs> like, I've, I've written that story eight times, and... She was just like when I got back from California. My wife, she, who doesn't follow the the Leafs that closely, she's like, "Oh, how to go? How did they do? Like, are they?" Because she wants my wife wants to know if they're going to make the playoffs or not and ruin our lives. Because I'll be working every single day. I'm trying to think what we put the odds at of them making the playoffs. Fifty fifty. I think it's a little bit probably I a little think bit I said under forty between forty and fifty. I don't know. I'd say it's still probably the same. The, like like the, if, the tough thing is that Boston has been so good lately. Like, like, if you look at it, they're, they can't really catch Ottawa anymore. They're too far back. They're eight back. Ottawa's played really well. So the teams they can catch, there's only two teams they can catch now, Islanders and Boston. Islanders have played very, very well under weight, and Boston has been very, very good since their coaching change. So, And then the other thing is they have to hold off Tampa and they have to hold off Florida. I'm more confident they can do that, especially with the gap that they've established now. I mean, they're going to have to win at least one of the games in Tampa and Florida. But they play Florida twice. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you lose, yeah. Anyway, like the point is, it's it's touch and go. And I guess the other thing too is the regulation overtime wins is that the Leafs have a real deficit between the Islanders and the Bruins. You know, they've got two fewer regulation overtime wins than the Islanders and four fewer than the Bruins. If they're going to pass Boston, they're going to have to have more points than them, not the same number. Huh. Well, do you know what's been apparent? Um, it was especially apparent against Philadelphia. Anderson was really good. Like oh. they, that, is, their only chance of making it is if he's good. And his he's numbers this. the last six games are ridiculous. He's gotten better. Yeah, in California, he played really well. Yeah. Like San Jose, they had no business getting a point out of that game. They can say whatever they want. Like, oh, we were close to overtime or whatever. They didn't deserve an overtime point in that game. San Jose was way better. Anderson's been he's really really impressed me lately so but it's just like this is if I was management if I was them I would be happy with this recent play but the really high ups and downs would a little unnerve me a little bit because yeah, well, he's either they can do about it though no so. well they've signed him right <laughs> this is it but like that would that would kind of cause me some pause 
that he's either been really good, really, really, really good, or bad. Well, at least you've, but at least he's had the really good. You know, there've been a lot of, of goalies that don't like. Look at what Bernier did last year, right? I mean, right. like, I guess the maybe the key with Anderson will be to make his highs longer and his lows shorter, and like at least they have something to work with that he's had the high highs. Let me ask you this, just because I'm working on a story about James Reimer, who's been really good himself since December. Who has a better save percentage this year? Reimer, right? Yeah. But he's played a lot less games. He's actually, as we're recording this, he is the number one even strength save percentage since December 1st. Right. He's been but anyway, out. my question is like, so at this point we're at now, can you say definitively that Anderson is better than Reimer? No. So. Why well, don't think we know what Anderson is yet? When? Yeah. And I guess it comes back to a question we've talked about a lot. We're not going to know for a while. Anderson's a little bit younger. A little bit, like a year. Yeah. In a bit. Yeah, I don't think... I don't know. It was just like a really interesting thing when you look back at like the decision they made. There was this idea that the other guy is always better. It was the same thing with Bernier. I don't think... I think Reimer's just like an average middle-of-the-road type goalie. But they kind of made this bet on Anderson, and I I wonder when we're going to be at that point where we can say that they made a good choice. Yeah, the thing is, I don't know that Reimer would have signed in Toronto for the same contract he got in Florida. Like, I think he went to free agency and there weren't a lot of teams making him offers. So he took five years, three and a half million a year. Part of it, I mean, the tax situation in Florida is so much different that he could Mm -hmm. take less money and it's still like the same take-home income. I think he was asking for more than that from the Leafs. I don't know for sure. So, like, if the decision might have been Reimer for three years at four million a year, or Anderson at five years at five million a year. I mean, I think I like. I would Reimer. go shorter. Yeah, yeah, I know. I think I like Reimer better too. Yeah. But I guess if you're them and you're thinking, this and you don't have a- to give up the picks. That's the big thing. You don't have to trade the right. two high picks for Anderson. And that's notable. Like that's not. Yeah. A, that's something. Yeah. And that extra money, like that, makes a difference. Yeah. But the, but I guess if I'm looking at it from their perspective, he's younger, he's bigger. I don't know if we can say that he hasn't shown he's he's been injured from time to time. Like Reimer, I don't know. Anyway, it's maybe it's a stupid conversation. Anaheim worried about his consistency. They worried yeah. about his ability to play a lot of games. And, and that was the same thing with Reimer in Toronto. Yeah. Like to to be fair to the Leafs, Reimer never played more than like forty games. Yeah. yeah. They probably if if I am the Leafs, I and we, we've talked about this before. Invest in a better backup. Invest in like, like spend two point one million and bring in a Scott Darling or like somebody that can play twenty five thirty games. I don't know who that guy is. Maybe it's like there's going to be goalies available. Maybe it's like one of like the Brian Elliotts or the Chad Johnson. Yeah. or something. Yeah, because those guys are going to be free agents. Yeah, and it seems like Calgary. Well, I don't know. Calgary's been really Brian Elliott's been really good yeah. now. Yeah, it's funny. Like th- when you boil it right down, if the goaltending ends up becoming good that suddenly the team plays better and if the goaltending's bad the team is bad like i remember i was doing overdrive i don't know when the hell it was but like it was oh i know when it was it was like Jan- it was the end of january and calgary was just in this crazy skid and the guys were saying like maybe it's maybe glenn Goldson goldson's gonna get fired and, I, and my point was like their goaltending's been horrible uh-huh. like if if that changes i think they'll be okay i really liked the moves that calgary made in the offseason like i thought they did the right things, and I thought that it's a good young team. I don't know about trading picks to get Brian Elliott. Yeah. But I get what they were they trying were to do. They were trying to get Anderson. 
They right. were, and that would have made. More I, sense. I think Anaheim Bishop would have made more sense, and obviously that. I was, think they were interested in Bishop and yeah, Anderson yeah. on the record that they yeah. that was near happening. So I think the only reason they didn't get Anderson is that Toronto was in the other conference, and Anaheim's like, I don't know if we want to keep this guy like on it in our division. You know, makes sense. Yeah, uh, let's let's talk a little bit about you wrote about him today, uh, Morgan Riley. Um, I don't know why it's all of a sudden become a bit of a flashpoint. You and I talked about how he was playing at some point recently uh, and kind of the the overarching number one questions. We were debating this just in conversation. Like, when do you think is a point when you can start saying what a defenseman is? Has that changed? Like, you pointed pointed out to me that statistically, defensemen and players generally peak younger than we think. 23, 24. But I would argue, like, a lot of really good defensemen don't become really good defensemen until maybe, they're a bit older than but that. But the thing is, like, that's the argument. Maybe they didn't get the ice time they, they should have gotten. Like, if you measure their actual performance based on, like, points per minute, like, a lot of... This happens with goalies, too. Oh, goalies peak later. No, they don't. Coaches play them when they're older more. That's So fair. they don't get the opportunity until they're older because coaches aren't as set on them as they mm-hmm. were earlier in their career. So... Like, I know the analytics guys, they'll break it down, like, point per minute and, like, point per power play minute and... You know, uh, possession and and a lot of those things. Even with there, there's this old axiom in hockey that defensemen and goaltenders peak later, but it's not as much later as people think. So I'm not saying that Riley has reached the pinnacle of what he's going to be. And I think we've seen with players like like Anderson and like Reimer. You know, some guys do develop a little bit later because they work really hard on those aspects of their game and they get better. But you know, I, I just think that Riley is probably closer to what he's going to be than a lot of people think. That's like, probably fair. I did 23 yesterday. It's still, like, so early into his career. And like you pointed out, he's played a lot of minutes, like, in yeah. a lot of hard minutes at a young age. Like, that, I would imagine, I would imagine a lot of young defensemen come in and play third pair and just, like, kind of develop on a third pair. Then they play some second pair. Like, Noah Hannafin, I believe, has played third pair all season. Right. And and not play great. And there's like trade rumors around right. him already. Like it, say, Aaron Ekblad, you know, there's people saying, well, he's not great. And I'm I'm thinking to myself, like he's 21. He's like really young in his NHL career. Well, I just think we need to be careful about not getting ahead of ourselves. Like Brent Burns is 31 and now a Norris Trophy candidate. It was like two and a half years ago or three years ago that he was playing forward. You know what I think? Riley's had what, like I think 17 games back since the injury? Something like that, yeah. And he's minus sixteen or something. I think that that's like you look at where he is now, and isn't he? Isn't he? He's like among the. League. I literally have never looked at plus. I minus know, but I think like, that that's why people are talking about. Well, I mean, he hasn't played great. I mean, no, that's, I would admit, I would admit that, but like, there's a lot of there's a lot to it. Like, yeah. like you mentioned last or the other night, um, high ankle sprain. That's isn't that usually like six to eight weeks that yeah, you're supposed to miss? Injury. He missed like two, yeah. I think. Six games, yeah. And now he, and like now he's back playing against top lines. Like you're going to get exposed. Like that's hard. That's not easy. Those aren't easy minutes. We actually have a piece coming at the Athletic early next week about Riley, and it's like looking at how his performance has changed after the injury. And apparently, there's like a bunch of indicators that, like you know, a lot of different things have changed that he's not playing as well, and you can see it in the data. So it's well, I mean, those it, few it games, makes sense. He, those few games he played. Well, I don't know how it was few games, but Marchenko doesn't help. Right. And now, like, they have him back with Zaitsev. But, like, they're hard minutes generally. Like, and if you're at 100%, they're hard minutes. And then you add in an ankle injury. 
I don't know, all that stuff matters. And then you have, you just have to remember how young he is and like, and how difficult it is to play these types of minute and play it well. There's a reason like there's only so many really good defensemen because it's hard to be good when you're facing Crosby or Ovechkin or whoever. I thought it was night. interesting that with the way Babcock talked about Riley yesterday where he said, you know, Dion Phaneuf used to be here and he took he kind of took all of the arrows as the number one defenseman and now Riley's getting some of them. And then, so I asked Riley about that after the game and he was kind of reflective about it and said, you know, he hears some of the criticism and hmm. Babcock, just the way that Babcock said it is that... Riley needs to not worry about that. He needs to focus less on on that. And it's interesting that he thinks that that was getting to him a little bit. And Riley kind of said, you know, I do hear some of that. And I'm trying to block it out and play the best I can. Well, I brought this up to you. Like, after just talking to Reimer, he said the hardest thing about playing in Toronto is the noise. Like, it's always there. And he said in Florida, like, you don't even have to work to block it out. Whereas in Toronto, like, you have to make, like, a bit of an effort not to be around it. Like, if you're sitting at home and you're watching SportsCenter in Toronto you're going to be the story. like, And so you can choose to change the channel or not, but you know what you're being talked about. Whereas you play for the Florida Panthers, you are – no one's yeah. thinking about it. Like, well, you're not going to walk to the mall and get stopped. It's not even like reading the headlines or watching SportsCenter. It's like you're just sitting in the dressing room and like eight guys come up to you and say, mm-hmm. you know, so, you know, yeah – have right, you, have you like, been struggling since the injury? And you'll get asked that like fourteen times in. And 10 we can days. say that that that's not a big deal, but like in the back of your mind, like suddenly you're starting to think about it, and you leave the rink, and like now it's on your mind. Like I just started thinking about this with Kopitar and looking at his season. I think he has six goals, first year of like an eighty million dollar contract, and mm. I thought to myself, like, imagine if this guy yeah. was playing in Toronto. Yeah. And he was having this year. He would be getting killed. And you play in L.A. And it's just like... Yeah. And that's not us criticizing the media and saying they're no, doing their just, job. I yeah. mean, the media is supposed to go there. It's just people care here. You know, if people if people care somewhere, the players are going to get asked more than if they're somewhere where people don't care. That's the bottom line. I mean, I don't... Fans always rail, oh, the, you know, the media is why the Leafs lose. And I don't think that's true at all. But we're just talking about kind of... There's kind of like a human element to the whole thing. Yeah. Well, and you brought this up in, in the piece you wrote about Riley. The the other thing that happens is because they don't have a lot of other good defensemen oh, yeah. or high-end defensemen, the guy who is the highest-end defenseman sometimes just ends up getting the blame. It was the, And that, that, to me, was what I read into with Babcock is like because FNUF was always their best or whatever, close to their best defenseman. He probably wasn't. I know. But, he, you know, yeah. but like – he would end up taking the blame for the fact that there were not a lot of other good. He wasn't even playing the tough minutes last year, right? <laughs> no. Well, that was that was a really just to go back to that. That was a really flashpoint sign that two games into the season, Babcock is like, can't do that. It was remember. Br- it was brilliant. I think. I mean, I think that's one of the only reasons they were able to make that trade. Yeah. Phaneuf piled up a whole bunch of power play points and but played the, on the second pair. But and- that was kind of like the larger thing with Phaneuf and Kessel is like. They seem to get blamed for the fact that management yeah. didn't put good players around them. Well, and it's, it's the same thing with th- Riley. That's what's happening with Riley, yeah. Like, and, like, I understand why management hasn't put good players around him yet because it goes in stages. Like, it's not right. – that's not really a criticism of management. It's this team isn't ready yet. It's a criticism of blaming Riley for the team not being ready yet. It's blaming Riley for not being an elite number one defenseman when that might 
that A might not be a fair expectation long term. I don't term. think that's what he's going to be. And it's especially not fair now. Like, that's not what he is. Like, yeah. he's – that's hard. And some guys aren't that I mean, good he, right away. What I was trying to say in the piece is even if he's a two, if he's a really good three, I mean, for what he's making and every like, that's not fine. disappointment, right? Sure. It's the same with Kadri. Like, everyone was so disappointed with Kadri for year after year after year. And it's like he has been a really good second-line center – the for a whole time, but it, but but that's what it is. Like people set this bar, and I don't know who. Like it's media, it's fans. Where suddenly, and it's even the team. Like there was a point where the team was talking about him as a number one center. So they say there's this bar. He, he can he be a number one center? And so suddenly, that's the bar that he's being measured against. And that's not realistic. It was never realistic, and now it's the same thing with Riley, where the bar is number one elite defenseman. Right. Drew Doughty, Duncan Keith, yeah. and like that's and it's not unrealistic. even number one center, right? It's like top fifteen center in the NHL, right? Like and that's not realistic. That's hard. Yeah, I don't know. It's not a bad like if he's just a number two, fine. Yeah, I don't know. You you and I went back and looked at some of the at that draft class. He's generally better than all the defensemen picked after him. Like Hampus Lindholm, same conversation. I'm trying to think. I was looking right. at all of the top five, top six. Uh, picks that went to defensemen. You should see how many of them are bad. There are so many of them that are bad. Like Bogosian. There's just a whole bunch of guys that like if if Riley turns out doesn't get much better than what he is now and he's just what he is now, he is a fine pick as a defenseman for fifth overall. Yeah. Who else would they have taken? People don't like when we go and look at yeah. the website when, and when do that. <laughs> it's not good it's not really good radio, so I won't do that. They're um, being different. Yeah, well, you don't get that at, on you don't get that on overdrive. Silence is not a good thing. <laughs> I just talked about your fish. How's, how's Charlie? Uh, he's moody, I think, because he's solo. Um, we didn't turn off the fish tank, so people are going to hear it again. Oh yeah, that's true. I can't <laughs> do that again. It screwed it up. Um, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about something you and I were discussing. Um, kind of the line combinations. You mentioned that they haven't really changed up much all year, which is true. And they haven't changed up anything lately while the team has not been scoring as much. I don't know why, and maybe this is a wrong opinion, but I sort of like the way their team looks. Actually, I don't know. Like, watching that game, I was going to say, like, I like the way their lineup looks better when Kadri's with Nylander and Matthews is playing with Brown and Hyman. But then watching Brown play with Kadri and Komarov the other night, Brown was that really looked better, good. and Neilander's been better, and Neilander's looked good. Yeah, at points recently. So someone had the numbers for Neilander with Matthews and not with Matthews, and both Matthews and Neilander are much better when they're together. Yeah, they're like they're, course, but they play Corsi and their goal four percentage and all that stuff at even strength was was much better. And yet Matthews has been playing more with Neilander recently and hasn't been as productive. Right? Was and, it four and was, games without a point? No, I think it's four games, one point. Yeah. Something like that, but he what like he was not noticeable at all against the Flyers. He's been quiet. He's been pretty quiet. He's had some games where he's only had one shot on goal. He almost went shotless in one of the, I can't remember which game it was, the Detroit game maybe. Mm-hmm. So I what do we I, think this is? I don't know. Just I just think it's like typical Edmund flow. Yeah, I mean it happened to him early in the year too. In November when he had that goalless drought, he wasn't super noticeable. Yeah, and that was a long stretch. I just remember watching Matthews, if you go back and listen to the podcast in December and January, it's like, holy cow, this guy's going to be like one of the best players. I mean, he's still, not that he's not going to be, but when he has those quiet games, 
Well, because it was like three, four plays every night where you're just like, whoa. Yeah. And now there's not. There has just driving the line. Like, yeah. Babcock talks about driving the line. Like, there were games where Matthews, like, put his whole line on his back and just put up 65% Corsi. But I guess what I wanted to ask you is, I've been thinking about it, like, with McDavid and Dreisaitl. I, like, to me, it doesn't make sense to play McDavid with Dreisaitl because I feel like each guy could kind of run their own line, like, drive their own line, especially given that Edmonton doesn't have great depth. Yeah. And I wondered, like, whether it makes sense to play just in light of, like, how Crosby doesn't necessarily need the best wingers. Maybe, like, it makes more sense to have Matthews with less good wingers because, like, maybe he doesn't need them. And maybe it makes more sense to put better offensive players with other guys. What do you think? I don't know. I mean, lately it looks like he needs them. And if you look at the yeah. data, like Matthews is a lot better with Nylander. But I mean, but it needs to go deeper than that. What's the lineup? What is the lineup better that way? Right. Like, what's a more dangerous lineup if you have Marner on one line, Matthews on another line, and Nylander on another line? Isn't that better? Isn't that harder to deal with if you're an opposition team? Well, I don't know. I mean, I think the Kadri line has probably been their best line the last ten, fifteen games. Kadri's been good. Brown's been good. It's 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 really interesting what Babcock's done. I I wonder what I'm really curious what happens next year. Like it let's say JVR and Bozak don't come back. Mm-hmm. What happens? What does the lineup look like? Can you fill that from within? Do they need to sign another forward? I think you'd probably need Well, so your centers would be Matthews, Kadri, Neander. So then they'd be apart anyway. So that's like the long term thing. Kapanen probably is on the team. Right, think. and I would put Kapanen with Nylander. I mean, those guys are like best buddies. Right, and that could just, be a sheltered third line. Right, and someone like Levo or Sashnikov can probably play on a third line. I just wonder if do they have enough pieces to do that to move those two guys? Well, they're not going to be playing together anyway. Like long term, that's happening. Right, they've said JVR and Bozak. Oh no, I mean Nylander and Matthews. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. you're saying if they? I'm just wondering, like what. I don't know. It, it, I, I think that the roster is going to look a lot different next year, which is interesting. Like we talk about how set the lines are and the D pairs have been pretty set all year. And, and then there's going to be like seven different guys next season. Does that mean like, I don't know. There's well, just... given that they're going to move Nealander to center, doesn't that make it automatic that you trade Bozak? Like that, I don't yeah. even think it's a question. Yeah. So, But let's... I guess the question, do you trade him in the summer or do you trade him at the deadline? But if you're a team that's no, going for well, it, you've got to trade him in the summer, right? Like, right. If you, well, you're not going to subtract during the season. Well, and you're not going to have him as your fourth-line center. That's pointless. Well, no. I mean, they would keep Nylander on the wing oh. to start next year. I mean, there's no, no guarantee. No, I don't think that's what... I don't think they'd change it mid-season. So it seems like Bozak's gone for sure, right? Right. So let's say that's a formality. Does that mean JVR is too? Well, if you're not going to re-sign JVR, why do you keep him? I don't know. I don't think it... I think I you have think to move both sense. those guys in the summer. Like the, more, like, the most logical thing is to do that. After expansion? Whenever you get a good deal for them. Right. You should find some team that's having a really hard time scoring goals that's got a defenseman that you like and throw both those guys at them and see what they think. Like, I wonder, I know there's lots to talk about Carolina potentially trading a defenseman at some point. They have good defensemen. Yeah. They really like Slavin and Pesci. As, that's like, like their they best think, pair. Yeah, they think that that can be. So is Falk available at some point? Is Hannafin available at some point? I mean, not that they're going to take Bozak and JVR. The thing, too, is that Carolina is a really smart organization. I mean, they know all about possession and all that. So they they know that that's not the strength of, of Bozak and JVR. They also need scoring. Yeah. JVR helps that. 
Yeah. I don't know. I'd be curious to know what the market is for Van Riemsdyk. He's had a weird year. Yeah. Like, I don't look at him... It's got, you gotta you gotta give him to some team that loves how big he is and really needs help on the power play and looks for, at looks at goals more than anything else and because we know that JVR has some some wards. Yeah, he's a really good finisher. I just don't think he's like your right. core. We've piece. talked about this before. He has to be like your seventh best player or something like that. And yeah, the amount I, of money like he's gonna like get te- on his new deal is a lot. I feel like a team like the Rangers or yeah. something like that would and he was a fan of the rangers growing up i don't know like that just seems like the type of team that he would go to right big physical well he's not really physical but big but so i like i've been thinking about this all year just logically neither one of those guys should be back so that creates you don't go are you still a three-line team if you lose both those guys what do you trade them for what other holes are you are you getting filled in the lineup it's there's not a lot of good forwards available in free agency well so this is a rough while you're talking i did a rough outline of what their lineup could look like so you'd have Hyman and Matthews. I don't know who the right winger is. You'd have maybe Komarov, Kadri, Brown. You could bring that back. Right. Kapan and Neander, Soshnikov. Right. I don't know what their fourth line looks like. So you need like a, a top nine winger. Well, they're going to need a fourth line center. If it's not Boyle, then somebody. I mean, I right. guess, and that's, I guess that's Ferris obvious. coming back. So but... Martin will play on that fourth line, even though he probably right. shouldn't. Le- they still have Levo. They still somewhere. have Levo. So they basically have a couple spots if they trade those guys. Right. I just like going back to like Neander and Matthews. I get what Babcock has done, and I think it does make sense that you. It's not about getting Matthews the most points. It's having a the yeah, best yeah, yeah. deepest lineup. Yeah, but when they go a stretch like that, where they only get like eight goals in six games or whatever it was, and you watch them really struggle, and Matthews doesn't look noticeable, that's when it starts. A light bulb goes off my head. It's like maybe you got to give Matthews another piece to like make something happen. Maybe you got to throw him out with Marner for a game. That's interesting. Well, well just especially to, like, get them going. Especially when Marner is quiet. Like, Marner was basically invisible against Philadelphia before he scored that goal. He was good against maybe, Detroit. Maybe they should do it like, and, and I know it brings, like, the usual comparison, but maybe they should do it like Quenville does with Kane Pittsburgh and does Taves. it with Malkin and Carlson Yeah, like, when you, need a, when you need a spark, put those two guys together. Put yeah. Marner and Matthews together and yeah. hope it does something. I don't know. That's an interesting idea. He's yeah, yeah. barely done it. So looking at this lineup, you've got Hyman. Matthews. Sorry, my writing's not good. You've got Hyman, Komarov. Like, like if they lose JVR, left wing is a problem. Yeah. Even now, left wing is. Like, they have these defensive guys that don't produce a lot. Komarov and Hyman playing big minutes. Like, I wonder if they need to bring in a left winger. It's, I don't know. Like, I don't know. What, what can you get for Bozak? What can you get for JVR? Not much. Are you just... Ticks? Or a player or a defenseman, like a, and that's the thing. Do so. We didn't talk about the the. I put out on on uh, Twitter asking for questions for the podcast. People said, "What's the blue line going to look like next year?" And that's like I think they're going to have three or four different guys. Well, so what if you went to a team that has excess defensemen for the expansion draft, and yeah. they traded you a defenseman, and you gave them a forward, which would help them with their yeah. protection list. That's that would what make you sense. That's why I think. Yeah, you're so talking like about Minnesota or Anaheim. Yeah. I think you go to Anaheim before the expansion draft, and I could see Anaheim being a team that likes JVR. I mean, Me they, they need help at forward. And Randy, Randy told him, "You play in front of the right. net, or I'm going to find someone else who will." Yeah. yeah. Now he went and found him to play in front of the net. But I mean, he could yeah. be—you could see him playing with Getzlaff or Kessler. And I could see him and, playing in Minnesota. Could yeah. You? Yeah. And they have defensemen that they can move. Yeah. I don't know. That's the kind of move that the Leafs need to look for. Well, I think they're smart enough to do it. 
Yeah. It's just a matter of if you can pull it off or not. Well, so that kind of brings me to something I wanted to ask you about. Um, we haven't talked since the trade deadline. Uh, the Boyle move, you and I both agreed that was well overdue. Um, you can already see the penalty kill looks better. and The fourth line had a great night against fourth the Fourth line Flyers. was good. Well, because he's, he's a good fourth line center. Yeah. Like, that's what a good fourth line center is. They didn't have that at all. Yeah. They had below average fourth line centers. Yeah. Like well below average. Um, but so the, I don't mind giving up the second round pick because that might be the difference between making the playoffs and not. Well, so, they had three second round right. picks. Yeah. I mean, you can only have so many picks because you can only sign so many players. Yeah. That's the other thing. Yeah. But the Eric Fair thing was semi weird, and what I wanted to ask you about—I think it was totally weird. Okay, so but it makes Philpula is weirder. So so that was the one I wanted to ask you about. I don't understand that at at all. They were just thinking they have all we have all this extra cap space to use. So we're going to take that extra cap space, but but he signed for one more year at five mil. Yeah. So Fair's signed for another year too. But he's he's two. two. But so I didn't understand like. Yes, you'd maybe get something for Philpola. So, okay, so but I don't get I've tried it. to write about this a couple of times, and I think a lot of the fan base doesn't understand the whole idea with the cap and long-term injury reserve mm-hmm. and the bonus overage. Like, do you think that's a problem? I think it's a problem. But, like, a lot of the for fans— For next year? For the next couple of years, I think it's a problem. Yeah. Because it's not a huge problem, but it's, a, it's like something that you have to confront. It's Because they're all going to get— Right there, but the problem is, is that so if you so they they're going to use long term injured reserve this year. I think it's five and a half. Isn't it like five and a half? It's about five if Matthews finishes top ten in goals in the NHL, which okay. it looks like he. If he doesn't, then they're okay because that pulls two million out, and then the bonuses mm-hmm. are only like two and a half million or whatever it is. Which is why two million here, two million for Matt Martin, all those things matter. Fair is another two million. But then, how does Philpola make any sense? I don't. I can't wrap my head. Because around. they must. Well, what did the Flyers get to get? To take Philpula. Didn't they get like a pick or something pick, along with him? Yeah. But like, yeah, but that's I, what I couldn't understand with Fair. Like, basically, they what they got was a pick. fourth round pick, yeah. which is. I think it's going to cause cap problems for them going forward. Like, it eats into their flexibility. So It's just two million. They, that's the only thing. Okay, but they added Boyle and Fair toward the end of the year. They're carrying a roster of 25 players right now, if you include Carrick. That all that creates cap, situa- cap problems where all of the bonuses are going to go over to next year. Which means they're going to be into long-term injured reserve against next year. Which means any bonuses that happen next year with the young players get carried over to the year after that. And the same, like it could just another team, an executive with another team said that using long-term injured reserve and having the bonus overage is a real problem because you can get into a situation where it happens year after year after year because you have to use long-term injured reserve every year. So right. every bonus you have, every bonus overage you have from the young players, it's carrying over every year. So like the pro, like why? Bring in Eric Fair, who costs uh, $450,000 on the cap. You're not playing him. When you could save that four hundred fifty, dollars like, that money's going to carry over. It could carry over the next three or four years when you're, you're going to need that $450,000 a lot more than you need it, Eric Fair on your roster right now. Right. Well, I guess next year they can just bury him, and he only costs no, but, the difference. Yeah, but I mean, like, I'm talking about, like, long-term injury reserve and the bonus overage, and, like, right. those problems are getting compounded by putting more on the cap right now right you're just putting more stress on the problem yeah. yeah it's interesting especially when you like they're gonna want to have lots of cap flexibility next year and the year after because they could be really good they could be looking to make a big ad at some point well so it's summer of so this is summer of 27 so it's 2018 is that right that they'd have to sign Neilander? Yeah. yeah 
Yeah. They got one more year of Nylander under control. And then 2019 is when they have to sign Matthews and Marner. Who are going to get a huge amount of money. Like, and, yeah. Insane. So... It's going to be more they, than we've talked about it because that's that's two years down the well, road. Well, the cap's not going up that much. But even if it goes up two or three million for next year, then maybe it goes up the same the following it year. It all has to do with where like the other their peers end up. Like, what does McDavid get? Well, some people are saying McDavid's going to get twelve something. He should. He should get more than it that. Sounds like they might be. But I sounds like it's going to hardball city with well, but you know what's going to happen? Edmondson's going to do this whole song and dance that we're not going to be able to afford a good team if you right. don't take less, right? Which McDavid should just say, take a hike, right? They, yeah, they don't have a good team other than him, so they don't. Well, Drysaddle's good, but um, is there anything else we're missing that you wanted to talk about? I only got a couple minutes left here. GM meetings. Okay, I went to those. What do you got? They were not very interesting. Is that the first time you've been to one? Second. Yeah, I, I covered it once. I didn't like it. You, like, stand around beside the pool waiting for the GMs to come out, and it's like... Yeah, it's not... And not a lot happens. The dumbest thing I heard... Well, there were probably dumber things I didn't hear, but the dumbest thing I heard come out of the GM meetings was one of the GMs was talking about move, getting rid of the two face-off circles mm-hmm. in the offensive zone and only having one and putting it right in front of the net. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God. That's... That- their long-term ideas were not good. Like, that's never going to happen. Like, don't even waste time with that. What but, they like, should how sp- big of a difference is that going to make anyway? Like, if you want to increase scoring, do something that's going to increase scoring. Don't well, keep, like, moving the blue line by four feet this way and that way. Why do you need to increase scoring? Why is there I, always I like this- to see scoring higher. Why? I like to have, like, more lead changes. I like to have fewer shootouts. I would like to have, like, more skill plays turn into goals. I think the goalies are too good. That's what I think. Yeah. Scoring's down to, like... When you take out empty netters, it's like 5.2 goals a game. It's pretty low. I'd like to see it like 6.5. Like, I'm not it's talking about like, like making it 8 goals a game like the 80s. I'd just like to see a little bit higher scoring. So what do you I'd like do? to have, have a couple guys get to 100 points a year. i like it to have a couple guys have 50 goals a year. So let's do our own R&D session. What do you do? I make the net bigger. I change the post or I move the, make the net... like. What if you, this is what people always say, is like, what if every shot that hit the post, the inside of the post, went in instead of... That's like, not, what if, yeah, I don't know. Like, how many posts How many are, goals is that? Well, that's, I it's think like, it could be a lot. Two posts a game? So if you add two goals a game, it's like you go yeah. from 5.2 to 7.2, that's, that'd be like yeah. the biggest explosion in offense. I just think, like, then you get to a, that's fine, maybe that's fine. I just don't want it to be hokey. And I you don't start think like it is. like if you just make the nets like lacrosse nets, no, suddenly you like have not, these stupid lacrosse nets are. Oh, you mean like outdoor lacrosse? Indoor yeah. lacrosse, the nets small and the goalie's huge. Maybe I'm not thinking of the right nets. Whatever I'm thinking of, the nets maybe I don't know. Indoor lacrosse is what I don't want to have happen in hockey, where the goalie's like this and the net is. Uh, oh yeah, the, where he has like the, this like the size equipment. of your fish tank, and <laughs> and the goalie can't move because he's so big. And <laughs> the one thing that I think they should and this is obvious, is the point system is just so oh, stupid. Yeah. And the other thing that they should do is change this whole playoff format. Yeah. It's it's For people it's who so are not confusing. hardcore hockey fans, they have absolutely no idea how it I works. was trying to... So at The Athletic and the app, we added standings. And I was trying to... It's I, a joke. I, I, I said to the, the... The two guys running it are Americans. They're not huge, huge hockey fans. They're, they're in uh, San Francisco. And so they added the standings for all of our different leagues on our app. And uh, they didn't have the wild card on the, on the NHL. I was like, well, we have to have the wild card standings. He's like, okay, how does it work? Because like, I want to be able to put it in right. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> right. Here we go. <laughs> the fact that you have to, like, make two clicks to look at the right standings 
doesn't make any and sense. And even when you look at the wild card, there's like you look at the wild card standings, and it's still confusing, right? Because like everything because there like are teams division in the division and, that will be in the wild. It's, well, and that it makes more sense to be the first wild card than it does to be third in your division. And the first wild card can have like 109 points, and then like there's all these teams that aren't in the wild card that only have like 92. And well, and, and even just the point system, like. The fact that you get the same amount of points for winning in a shootout as you do in regulation just doesn't make it's sense asinine. at all. Yeah, like you want to give teams incentive to win in regulation, and that's not doing that. Yeah, so that's what I would have liked them to come up with. Do you think they're going to go to the Olympics? By the way, man, I don't know. I hope they do. I hope they go. The league and the league is really, really, really against it. I sort of understand it. I mean, they're they're basically but like as a fan, like we want these like huge. Yeah, but put yourself the in their World position. Cup was you're not going to replace the Olympics. You're a business person, right? Like you have this business, and you're being asked to shut down your business. You're making no money from it for two weeks. You don't get anything from it. Just that your players okay, like to go. But your business is built on 700 of the best athletes, and this in the is world like 150 of them. Always want to go. This is 150 of them. Yeah, they want to be so, there. I know, but that's a pretty. Those are big You're factors. Piss like off those guys. 150 players for sure. what? For what reason? I'm paying them. all your best players. I'm paying them. I'm just trying to play devil's advocate. I'm not sure. I I would go, but I can understand it. Like I've, I'm paying these guys. What like, harm does it do to the NHL to shut down? What the am season? I getting it from it? I'm a business person. Like I'm trying to make money. I'm not doing this for charity. You know what they should get from it is they should start hitting Asia hard with marketing because there is so much money there. I talk to friends that go over to China and look at what's happening in hockey, and like they say, you would not believe. That's why they want to go to Beijing. They're building, and well, then you go to you just suck it up. Yeah, but do you believe that there is like tangible benefit to people seeing your game on like a global stage? Like, do you think yeah. that actually makes a difference? Yeah, because I guess like you can make the case like on a smaller scale with the Coyotes and Austin Matthews. Like, you, there is no Austin Matthews. Have you seen like watching some games this year and there are Chinese ads on the boards and there mm-hmm. are Chinese sponsors? I heard the Bruins got millions of dollars from There was from, a from Chinese reporter at the All-Star game. I was trying to talk it's to coming. Nathan McKinnon. He it's was coming. asking him questions. They need, to, they need to think bigger picture. Like, how can you talk about growing the game and keeping a team in Glendale, Arizona and Austin Matthews and all this stuff and not have that apply to South Korea and, and China, which are probably... You know, are going to be better hockey markets than I shouldn't say I, that doesn't make any. But sense. the difference but. is like with baseball, basketball. Well, football doesn't count because they don't go. But like baseball and basketball, they don't have to shut down. Like basketball, summer Olympics, baseball. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there is a complication to it. I think they should go, but I can understand like why some of these owners, despite being very rich, can make a case against it. It doesn't hurt the NHL. Like, how does it... Do they see their business? No, that's true. It doesn't hurt your, it doesn't hurt your so product. Unless like, someone gets hurt. Like, if like if Crosby got hurt... Wait, the tickets are sold. Like, I mean, maybe... I don't know. I know, I just, but... but I, don't see, I don't understand why Bettman is so against it. I don't, I don't know that it's Bettman. I would imagine he's just representing the views of the owners. That's his job. I don't... Like, who knows? His job is to be there. It's almost like they just don't like how the IOC treats them. It seems like that's a big part that's of it. That's a big part of it. They just don't like... Pride. Sure. Yeah. That's what if... So, like, if that's it, then, like, come on. Yeah. Grow up. I yeah. Yeah. I hear you. All right. Well, hopefully this recording device worked. Yeah. Let us know if the audio is terrible and you hate it. And you probably didn't listen this far if that was the case. That's true. Thanks to Babsocks.
Oh Chris- yeah, we forgot to do the Bab Sox Babcock quote of the day. Quote of the week. Quote of the two weeks, given we haven't done one of these in a while. I had one. I'm trying to think what it was. That's on me. I apologize for that. What was it? Oh, maybe uh no, we don't have the clip. Just just pretend you're him and do it. Yeah, I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> All right, we'll have to bring back the Babsocks Babcock quote of the week. Maybe we'll do two next time. Two next week. A double shot. And hopefully we get back on track and start doing every other week. Although next week... I'm, I'm gone again. You're gone again. So maybe I'll have to like do a solo or find someone to fill in for you. Figure out how to do it on the phone. Okay. All right, well, hopefully we're back next week, if not the one after. Thanks for tuning in to The Leaf Report. Follow the guys on Twitter at Jonas Siegel and at Myrtle. Take it easy on my